Welcome back to the Comics Course. Offering a Miskatonic University's remote education program, this is Literature 209, Graphical Literature and Society and History, better known as the Comics Course. You can go to our website, which still sucks, but I'm working on it, folks, comicscourse.org. You can go to our podcast hosting site that hosts the lectures, comicscourse.captivate.fm. We're on Apple Music and a whole bunch of services. Not Spotify yet. They're giving us some kind of grief. Um... Well, I don't know. They're probably Mormons and hate me because of that thing that happened in Utah in 1995. I don't know. Just saying there's a reason I can't fly through Salt Lake City anymore. Um, but I understand that the warrant on that will expire in 2024. So, yay. Um, if I, you know, ever have cause to go through there. Uh, I mean, I will one day, presumably. Uh on Twitter, you can also get a hold of me as Prof Hamby, P-R-O-F-H-A-M-B-Y. I am here, as always, with my ever-suffering T.A. Rowan. How are you doing, Rowan? Great. Uh, I know you said you had a headache. We'll try to keep this short. But we have a topic to cover that you personally requested, the history of Dark Horse Comics. A very characteristic. And, and we're going to, there's so much here. We're going to try to go over it quickly. But there, there is a lot of content. Now, I do want to say I have an update on the Miskatonic Mana course for people. Um, we are looking for some new people. I had a team meeting to discuss the Busan University pulling out of the agreement. Uh, and I decided to sit down and watch the team play some Overwatch. And uh, do, do you know Joey? Mm -hmm. um, Who doesn't know Joey? Yeah, well, what he was doing as Reinhardt, the main tank was he'd put down his controller whenever they were supposed to push and run around the room with his arms behind him yelling, I'm Naruto, and asking if that helped. Ah. Now, he was putting tape on the controller to keep Reinhardt's shield up, but I can guarantee you it, in fact, was not helping. Yep, sounds, so, sounds like Joey. I did consider microwaving some of that old cube steak and putting it in his bag... Uh, and let him walk through the quad that way. <laughs> but I decided to just uninvite him from the team. Along with a couple of other people. Okay, folks. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I personally have never yelled, have never played Tracer. But I can promise you, playing Tracer by yelling, Boom by ya, bitches! And then just zapping back and forth in front of their spawn point doesn't help so we need some new players for the team you can apply with me so the history of dark horse comics you okay over there boom ya. <laughs> okay so you know, when we talk about Dark Horse comics, they're an interesting entity. The history of American comics is to very much talk about, and to a lot of people, the big two, Marvel and DC, right? And then you can talk about the indies like Warp Graphics and Antarctic and whoever. And then, but when you start talking about, is there a number three? Is there a third spot? A lot of people will say, well, Image Comics. And certainly, Image has had some illustrious places in its history, it's burned bright at times. It's burned much dimmer at times. I would argue that right now it's not terribly bright. Uh, Dark Horse 
Dark Horse, you know, it means this unexpected contender. I don't think that after 36 years now that it's an unexpected contender anymore. At this point, I think Dark Horse is the steady, reliable horse in the race. Uh, and they've done very well. Now, I say 36 years because we're in 2022. Last year was 35 years for the company. Uh, they were started in 1986 by Mike Richardson, who's still in charge of them to today. And Mike Richardson didn't come out of nowhere. He founded them in Milwaukee, Oregon. And his goal from the very beginning, he said, was to get bigger than DC or Marvel. And I want to talk about them in part in relationship to some of this new... People talk about this new stuff. And they talk about new stuff like it's actually new. It's often not. So, but, but it is in subways, some ways. So, for example, there have been recent news stories about writers like James Tinney and the Fourth going to Substack. They've attracted some other talent. There are artists uh, like Stefan Sajic, who's at Webtoon. And those are great. And both of them have new aspects to them that are interesting. You know, Webtoon's kind of free-to-try, free-to-play. The creator gets to set certain offerings. They may collect things later. Uh, Stephen Stefan Sajic has done some of that with DeviantArt as well. Uh, some of Substack's model has some interesting new aspects in terms of delivery and the contracts they're giving people to try to draw on talent. But the core idea that people keep talking about aren't these details, but that they're creator-owned. Now, that's not entirely unpresent in DC or Marvel, DC especially with Karen Berger, but I mean, even going back to Frank Miller's special deal with Jeanette Kahn when he did Ronan and all that, um, had some owner, creator, owner-driven properties. Uh, Image certainly was established for that, but all of that, but Dark Horse back in 1986 started as a, not a studio, but a publisher to allow creator-driven owned properties. So that idea is not new at all. Now, this was not Mike Richardson's introduction to the comic book industry. He actually owned a comic book store, Pegasus Books, in Bend, Oregon, already. He started that in 1980. And by 1986, he said, you know, why don't I try publishing comics, too? Now, I'm going to be blunt. For a lot of my youth growing up, looking at what Dark Horse offered, I tended to think of them as they were the company that made licensed comics. And it's easy for those to be pretty schlocky, right? I mean, it's a quick way to make a safe, quick buck with franchises people love, like Aliens and Predator. I mean, they were the Aliens and Predator comic company. But they didn't make schlock. They really expanded and built those universes. Honestly, the movies of Predator and Alien gave us very little to work with. The comic books are what built that mythology. And they published Aliens from 1988 uh, all the, for 30 years until Marvel took it. And Marvel also took Predator, which they did from, God, 1990 or so onward. Now, these were only a couple of years after each of the movies came out. And unfortunately, that's a trend that happened with some of their properties. Uh, Dark Horse also published Star Wars books. Now, Star Wars, its first comic books uh, were brought into existence by Marvel back when Stan Lee was at Marvel in the 70s 
and super eager to jump on any trend. And Star Wars was looking like it was going to be a huge movie. There was lots of buzz about it. They got the license to do comics. Famously, the early Star Wars comics completely contradicted the movies because they were forced to start writing and doing art before the movie even came out. So the only reference points the writer and artist had were some storyboards and material from the movies, but they didn't even have a script or anything. Is that why why people say the uh, comics are not canon to the cinematic Star Wars universe? Well, the, the early ones, absolutely. Now, the canon can, canonity is an issue here. Now, for many, many years, you have to understand, basically from Return of the Jedi in the mid-80s up until like 2000, for around a 15-year period, the only stuff being done for Star Wars was Dark Horse Comics and the Expanded Universe novels. And neither were kept as canon, but they were what kept interest in Star Wars alive during that time, really. And the Dark Horse Comics were incredibly good at building mythology. Now, unfortunately, like Predator, like Alien, Marvel took back that license in 2015. And Dark Horse lost them, which kind of sucks. Now, at that point, once Marvel started publishing it, Marvel has said that the Marvel comics, are the, the current ones since 2015, are canon to the Star Wars universe. But all the earlier ones gone, so along with the expanded universe novels, not canon either. So the Marvel stuff is canon, the Dark Horse stuff isn't. Right. However, there were huge fans of the Dark Horse material, often which went into the distant past and went into side niches of the Star Wars universe. So, fascinatingly, this was announced just recently. Marvel has actually agreed to share the license with Dark Horse again. That doesn't mean Marvel is stopping to publish their Star Wars comics, but their canon Star Wars comics are going to continue, and Dark Horse can pick back up on their non-canon Star Wars comics again. Which is kind of an embrace of Star Wars as a mythology. <laughs> Which is kind of fascinating. Um... So where does that leave us? I mean, that leaves us talking about Dark Horse as if they were a company of licensees. And they did other stuff. I mean, they licensed the Buffy comics, which got taken away when Boom Studio did their reboot. Uh, it, it, although I think Dark Horse still has the rights to publish existing material they did in omnibuses and stuff like that. Um, but in all of these properties, people turned around and were upset at them leaving Dark Horse because Dark Horse built powerful mythologies and powerful universes around these properties. But that's really what Dark Horse's strength is, allowing creators to build. And they didn't just do this with licensed stuff. They did this with direct-owned things. Now, some of this was stimulated by Mike Richardson. Mike Richardson, especially in the early days, wrote a bunch of this himself. And Dark Horse has put out Dark Horse stuff, you know, Dark Horse's Book of Horror, Dark Horse Presents, Anthologies. But they also have been willing to work with anybody. They published uh, Stan Sakai's Yusagi Yojimbo, which is one of the greats of comic book history, possibly the longest published, independently published comic ever, which eventually went to Dark Horse so that Dark Horse could handle the mechanics while Stan just wrote. Oh, they're the ones who published Yojimbo? Yojimbo? Mm -hmm. Yusagi Yojimbo? Not originally, but it's moved to Dark Horse now. 
I think so that Stan Sakai can just write and draw and not worry about the mechanics of publishing, which is one of those things that Dark Horse allows established artists to do. Now, this is one of the ways that things like Webtoon is different. Webtoon will work with just about anybody who makes an account. Dark Horse is going to be, is an entity that selectively works with creators they want to. Substack is kind of a whole other thing. We'll not talk about that right now. Although, at some point, an episode talking about what is happening at Webtoon and Substack may be interesting. Um, but other examples of stuff they've done. Michael Chabons, The Escapist. A lot of people don't know this, but there was a book published in 2001 called The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon, and it's about comic books. Fictional comic books, but comic books nonetheless. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Literature. And Michael Chabon went to Dark Horse and said, I want to make an actual comic of The Escapist, which is the fictional comic in my Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. And they did. And so many other things. So many other things. Oh, and I just found in my notes, Predator comic did not start in 1990. It started in 1989. Sorry. But so many other properties. Um, Frank Miller. We mentioned Ronan earlier, which was a creator-owned effort at DC that he made a a special agreement with Jeanette Kahn about uh, at Dark Horse, Sin City, which has been miniseries collected and acclaimed collections now. Uh, 300, again, acclaimed works. And as we talk about this, I also want to mention, of course, that Dark Horse has not just been a comic book company. Dark Horse decided along the way, we want to create media franchises. We want to create entertainment. So while Marvel was struggling to get Ed, Nord Ed Norton's Hulk done and then Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, many, many years before that, Dark Horse was just hitting movies out the park. Um, Sin City, two movies were done of it. 300, two movies were done of it. Hellboy. Two animated features, three theatrical movies. Now, these weren't just licensed from Dark Horse. These were produced by Dark Horse as well. The Mask, Resident Alien show on Sci-Fi Channel, comics to TV show. Um, and I could go on and on and on. I mean, there's just been tons and tons. Until, in sheer money, Marvel has made more money with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in longevity and solidity, I would argue that Dark Horse has had the most successful comics-to-movie program of anybody in the industry. And I think that's something that people don't notice, especially because a lot of people don't realize that they were comics originally. Uh, you've seen the vampire movie 30 Days of Night? Dark Horse comic. Uh, there was a really bad Ryan Reynolds movie a few years ago called R.I.P.D. about basically ghost cops. Dark Horse Comics. The Mask, Son of the Mask. Son of the Mask, not so big, but The Mask was a huge comedy hit. Dark Horse Comics. Time Cop 1 and 2, Dark Horse Comics. Mystery Men, which was a really cheesy comedy, but very successful, Dark Horse Comics. Uh, Barbed Wire, which was a silly property with Pamela Anderson, Tank Girl. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. And during this time, they're still doing new creator-owned properties. In fact, Mike Richardson himself is doing a new series called The Cloaked right now, 
they're doing licensed work. For example, the Vox Machina comics from the Critical Role uh, web series. Yeah. And, in fact, Vox Machina has an animated series in production. Yeah. I don't know if Dark Horse is involved with that. They may or may not be. Certainly, I could imagine them working with Dark Horse for it, since they have the contacts for animated projects. I mean, they did the Hellboy, uh, Storm of Swords, and Blood and Iron animated features, which are quite good. And Dark Horse has had other connections that are very important. I don't know if you know this, but really, Viz Media and Dark Horse Comics were the first two companies to really bring manga to the United States and Canada, and the West in general. I mean, during the 1990s, Oh My Goddess, Akira, Astro Boy, Berserk, Blade of the Immortal, Ghost in the Shell, Lone Wolf and Cubs, uh, Clamp series like Chobits, all were Dark Horse comics. I know all those things. Well, I mean, they're all iconic. Berserk still is, a, I mean, Chobits just came out with a 20th anniversary edition, which was really good. Lone Wolf and Cub is one of the best sign-in series ever. And that's not just my opinion. I mean, many Japanese manga critics will agree. Um, Blade of the Immortal, absolute classic. Berserk, I'm not personally a huge fan of, but it's popular. It's insanely popular. It was, wasn't, didn't it only recently end? Well, it, its creator passed away recently, I don't know if they're continuing it with somebody else or not. I don't know. So it may be over, it may not. But I know it went on for decades. Oh, yeah. A long, long time. It's one of the longest running anime since I've Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Manga. And it's insanely popular. Uh, Mike Richardson, in a recent interview, said that it's continued to be so popular that they would do a six-month print run of it. In other words, print enough at one time that they expect it to last out of their warehouse for six months. And it would literally be all sold out before they could receive it at the warehouse. And they're just immediately shipping it back out again and ordering more prints. Damn. In fact, I mean, to tell you how successful uh, Dark Horse is, they just had their 35th year and it was their best year ever in the middle of COVID. Wait. This is not a dumb company. And I mean, I, I skipped over talking in more depth about stuff like Oh My Goddess and Akira. If you don't know those, if you don't know Akira, you need to know Akira. If you don't know Oh My Goddess, one of the great classic uh, uh, comedy romance, supernatural manga series. Um, but a lot of people don't know this, but Dark Horse does, has diversified. Uh, they have an M imprint, which does film books, biographies, all kinds of other stuff. They have kitchen sink books, which does these gorgeous high-end art books, also high margins. Um, they... When Karen Berger decided to come back into doing comic books, Dark Horse is who publishes her Berger Books imprint line and works with selected artists uh, doing series like Incognito. So that's Dark Horse in a nutshell. And of course, one of the fascinating things is they've been around 35 years. That's not insubstantial. Not they've continued to get bigger. They're heavy presences in anim in movies and film they have diversified publishing his goal is to become bigger than marvel or dc i mean look at the properties they work with mike mcnola's hellboy i, I can't even begin to tell you how big a publishing uh, uh property that is now are they bigger than marvel or dc probably not but i think you could 
make a pretty good argument. I think they're bigger than most people realize. I think they're a lot closer than most people realize because if you just look at pure comic book sales, they're not there. But their comic book sales are strong, and they have a lot of not just revenue, but cultural impact that people don't realize. And that impact's about to get bigger. Why? Because they just merged with a company called the Embracer Group. This was announced right before Christmas. Now, for those who don't know the Embracer Group, they're a Swedish-run uh, conglomerate property company. And they did, they, they just went on an absolute shopping spree. They were like, uh, uh, they were like Ivanka Trump, Trump given unlimited credit to go shoe shopping. And th uh, here's a list of who they bought. Okay, I just, I, I, I want, I, are, you see, are you sitting still? Are you seated? You're not, your chair is not wobbly or anything. No. All right. Now, some of these names you may know and some you may not. They bought Asmodi. Your face just went, what? Yes, Asmodi, the biggest tabletop board game distributor in the world. They can be bought? They were by Embracer. They buy other companies. They don't get bought. And Asmodi has bought a bunch of companies in the last few years and then got bought. Right. Um, they bought Chinese gaming company Perfect World, who make PC and mobile games and console games. I'm not Chinese, and even I know them. Yeah. Spot Film. I had to look this one up. But they provide video-on-demand services in Germany. I'm willing to bet that by the time everything's said and done, they're going to be providing services outside Germany. Probably. They, bought, they got bought for technology and expertise, I'll bet. Mm -hmm. Let's look at some of the others. Digic. That may, name may not jump out to you, but you've seen things they've done. They're an animation studio out of Hungary. They've done a bunch of stuff. Mm, okay. So let's look at this so far. Board game companies, video game companies. They already were in video games themselves. So this is diversification. Um, animation company, video on demand services. They have something planned. And we're not done yet. Shiver. A video game production company out of Miami, Florida, who's done properties like Mortal Kombat. Um, Perfect World, I, 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 I kind of went over them briefly, but to go into some more detail, they include under their umbrella Cryptic Studios and Gearbox Publishing. So we're talking about games like Borderlands. These are all companies that buy other companies. They don't normally get bought. So at the end of this list is Dark Horse Comics. So they, board game companies, multiple video game companies, video on demand distributors, animation, and a publishing company that has access to a shit ton of incredible intellectual properties. They have stuff planned, clearly. And I think this is going to be exciting. Now, this was not a buyout. It was a joining. Mike Richardson still has full uh, creative control of the publishing. What it does provide is possible synergies. Now, there's a lot of people out there pointing out... Um, now, this is still pending. It's not finalized yet. A lot of people have pointed out other scenarios. Uh, 
A lot of people have said, oh, well, this is like the 2018 thing where DMG, which was a Chinese uh, conglomerate headed by an American, bought out Valiant. Well, the CEO already had 57%. It was really kind of like a hostile buyout. And it, it was a disaster. I'm not going to go into details on it, but we could do a whole episode on Valiant at some point. Well, Ron, I was talking with Ron Mars, the comic book writer. And aside from being somebody who's been around 40 years writing comics for everybody, uh, he's also a very smart man. And he said he had a ringside seat for the Valiant buyout, and he says this is radically different. And I believe him. It looks different to me, and even if it didn't, I would trust Ron Mars's opinion on this. Um, and, and it brought to my mind the CCP, which is an Icelandic company's buyout of White Wolf. Uh, CCP uh, developed EVE Online and things like that, and they bought White Wolf for intellectual property. It was a disaster. Um, but that was a buyout where people were relocated and there was a mass exodus of White Wolf staff um, before all was said and done with just a few people who weren't going to operate independently really anymore. Uh, this feels different in that Dark Horse is going to continue their normal publishing and that's not expected to be affected by this. And I think that could be a very good thing. And it is different in that... Dark Horse is profitable. Not just a little bit profitable, but successful. White Wolf was in serious financial trouble. And it's a very different dynamic. I'm actually kind of excited by this. I, I, I think there's huge potential. I think Mike Richardson is a smart man. And I think if the terms were to come out as they finalize the merger that would somehow damage Dark Horse, I think Mike Richardson would walk away from it. So, yeah. That's where we are, Dark Horse at 36 years. Any questions? Not that I can think of. Well, what do you want for the next history uh, lecture? Mm -hmm. Does and, and does this, do you feel like this gave you the information you were curious about? Yeah, definitely. Give you an idea of what the company is? Uh-huh. I mean, they've always kind of run in this weird space of we're competing with Marvel and DC but we're making the rules for our game. We're not trying to play them at their game, mm -hmm. which I think is smart. Mm -hmm. So what do you want for the next one? We could do Image Comics, Valiant, CrossGen. I want Image. You want to do Image. Okay. Uh, next week, we're going to have the history of Image Comics, folks. And man, strap in. That is a wild ride. So, and I think next week, we also get to see the Golden Frogs again in Black Panther. Well, that's that that that's when we get to the annual with the with the Reginald Hudlin story. Oh. Yeah. So Sorry. that that we're going a, that's a little ways further on. Sorry. I've that's okay. The that's okay. And you say you don't know comics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're out of here folks. Keep reading comics and we'll be back next week with two more lectures to drop. Bye. <laughs>